I V M. BQ Big Decisions, the Bloomberg Quint podcast that helps you make the right financial choices. Hello, and thanks for listening in. I'm Alex Matthew, and this is the BQ Big Decisions podcast. First of all, on behalf of everyone here at Bloomberg Quint, here's wishing you a very happy and prosperous New Year. 2019 has ended, and so too has the second decade of this century and millennium. You know, I've always believed that the start of a new year is a great time to not just make a new beginning, but also to introspect and to identify things that went wrong over the past year. So. On this New Year's edition of BQ Big Decisions, we're going to be talking about the biggest learnings from 2019 and what to do to ensure that you have Vision 2020 with regard to your finances in the new year and decade. My guest today is Amul Joshi, the founder of Plan Rupi Investments. Thank you so much, Amul, for joining me today. Alex, pleasure to be here with you. And happy New Year. Wish you the same. Thank you. Now, I do want to start with. I think what everyone refers to when they talk about the markets, which is the equity markets. Sure. And um, I want to talk about the year that has been 2019. The gains have been decent, especially for the benchmarks, particularly yes. for the benchmarks. If you look at the index, yes. Yes. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have spoken about the fact that the indexes have gained, the benchmarks have gained. Despite the gloom and doom scenario that has been painted about the economy, so perhaps one of the big learnings is that the markets, at least the benchmarks sure. and the economy, don't necessarily move in tandem. Uh, yes, Alex, that's correct. In fact, the broader market slide, especially on the mid and small caps, started way back in 2018, and the trigger was the budget of 2018, uh, first February, when the long-term capital gain tax, which was earlier zero, yeah. was hiked to 10 percent. Yeah. And over last one and a half, two years, uh, the time since that budget, the econo- uh, the GDP scenario. If you look at GDP as a as a as an indicator, GDP has deteriorated. Yes. But as you could see, the market deteriorated long back. Mm. And market is now, at least on the large cap side, the way you mentioned, at least on the few uh, handful number of stocks on the large cap or mega cap side, have been doing really well over last one year. Yeah. You could say one way in one way that market is a forward-looking animal. Mm. So market predicted a lower GDP one one and a half years back. Mm. This could be probably an indication that we are bottoming out, and that's why markets are running ahead of the fundamentals. Mm. Only time will tell if this theory is correct or not. But the fact is there for all of us to see. Markets have been doing well. Last but not the least, only ha- only a handful, let's say a dozen, ten, twelve, fifteen stocks have been doing well. The broader market still has a lot of opportunities, especially on the mid and small cap side. So, in a sense, there is significant opportunity to be had in the equity markets. But on the other hand, especially mm-hmm. if you have exposure primarily to large caps, one right. would think that this is a time to be a little cautious. uh yes i would say that uh, especially because large cap uh, uh, they are running uh, uh 
uh, what is the right word to say on firing on all all cylinders <laughs> uh, so large caps have been re- really doing well and yeah. this is the time see if you follow a typical model which i suggest all investors that they should of asset allocation so asset allocation does not necessarily mean debt equity mm. within equity also you have to allocate efficiently to large mid and small caps okay your large cap portfolio that has gone up by let's say a 10 20% at the same time your mid and small caps are looking down by 20 to 30% so this is a good time to rebalance mm. so obviously if your large cap portfolio has grown bigger it is time probably to do some sort of a profit ah. booking and enter mid and small cap Understood. so this will get your asset allocation back in order and by default it would reduce some exposure from large caps where there is a you know one can say that the valuations are probably fair value plus uh, from that level you can allocate some funds to a fair value or or rather uh, i would say a cheaper value mid and small caps that's a great way to look at it and in fact what better time to do it than the new year right so sure, yes. this is a perfect time to look at it uh, i do want to ask you um and this is a very broad question and i must put a caveat out mm-hmm. here and that we've had several conversations in the past even on bq big decisions about yeah, allocation right. uh, yes. and asset allocation being 9/10 of the rule Correct. but having said that there are various factors that play into each individual's asset allocation yes now having said that i still want to ask you from the perspective of a planner and from the perspective of an advisor mm-hmm. when you look at the scenario as it stands today would you say that it would be beneficial to perhaps consider a higher allocation towards mid cap and small cap and in 2020 you should be a little more aggressive where that is concerned right so absolutely alex i couldn't agree more in fact in my previous answer i mentioned that you should rebalance out of uh, large cap into mid and small cap so yes i subscribe to that uh, theory and also to what you said just now the second point alex here is uh, again go back to basics when we say go to mid cap and small caps mid cap and small cap is never a 6 month 1 year 2 year asset class yes. it's a 5 year 7 year 10 year asset class if you think that you have a horizon of let's say 7 years ahead of you 10 mm. years ahead of you mm. no better time than today uh, see it's always remember uh, gold comes into the focus when it crosses 40000 but mm. nobody talks about it last 7 years when it was trading close by to 30000 value so you should always buy when the chips are down mm. you should always buy when the asset class is not doing very well if you bought gold at 40000 you are probably looking at flat returns or probably some negative returns at this moment mm. using the same analogy especially because mid and small caps are down anywhere between 15 to 40% i'm talking on a broad level yeah. there are some stocks that are 90% down yeah. again one more caveat over here i'm not saying something that is down 90% should be bought now be so bought if you are skillful yeah. in uh, picking up stocks then you could take that decision on your own but if not you can probably go to a managed portfolio by managed portfolio i mean that a fund manager who you know uh, is is running a mid mid cap or a small cap fund um one more uh, you know one more line over here you can also take an exposure to mid and small caps via multi caps it is okay. not necessarily go to a true uh, a true mid cap or a true small cap fund mm-hmm. multi cap fund by definition can take exposure to mid and small caps yes. and most of many of multi cap funds do have a mid and small cap exposure to your point on uh, buying when the chips are down i think one yeah. of the thumb rules that a lot of people talk about is that 80% of gains come in 20% of the time which sure, is why you yes, should hold yes, for a long that's time that's correct 
All right. So I think that more or less covers your equity portion of your yes, portfolio. Alex. But I do want to talk about another thing that's occurred. And I must state here that the onset of this was in 2018, Amul. But it came into sharper focus in 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was the way that investors approach debt mutual funds. I'm referring, of course, to the precipitous fall uh, right. uh, in, in debt portfolios that was heralded by the uh, default of ILNFS. That's correct. Um, and, and that's played out in 2019. Would you say, first of all, that it's a good thing that investors are now approaching debt mutual funds with a little more caution? And how do you see this place, this space rather developing? Um, okay, so any sort of a NAV fall, uh, is never good for investors. Of investors course. wouldn't like it. Of course. But I still am going to agree with you uh, over here that it was good that it happened. Why it was good is because investors in mutual fund and there is a disclaimer that has been uh, you know uh, a part of many social media jokes and forwards. Uh, mutual funds are subject to market risks. So even in debt segment, mutual funds do have a market risk. Yeah. This is not to say that everything is risky and you shouldn't go. Mm. In every aspect of life, and financial life, there are risks and those risks present some opportunities and some returns and rewards. Yeah. So this this uh, credit events, the credit events that we spoke about definitely are a learning to an investor. So I would say uh, that this learning you can put to use in two ways. One is if you are truly a conservative investor who has graduated from fixed deposits and PPF sort of instruments where you almost never saw any capital volatility as well as there was an interest guarantee mm. in mutual funds you will do well if you go to a completely triple a 80 to 100 percent triple a portfolio mm. or a banking and psu debt fund or even liquid funds uh, if you stay for three years in any of these instruments your biggest gains are going to come to you from indexation tax benefit very quickly and i I must say that we have spoken about indexation when we spoke about corporate bonds and and Mm -hmm. bonds per se. But this is if you hold for three years and above Mm -hmm. in a debt mutual fund, you essentially get indexation benefits, which very simply means that your returns um, minus the inflation over that three year period are taxable. That's correct. Your returns, the returns that you generate over and above inflation. So I don't want to make it number heavy, but let's let's see uh, it via some numbers. And again, you have already said that it is for three years and which I have also mentioned. But let's take for simplicity, let's take example over a one year period. Over a one year period, if your debt fund generates 7% return, and in that one year, if the inflation is 5%, Mm. in a normal fixed deposit, your entire 7% gain would be taxed at your tax slab. Yeah. In mutual funds, however, if you get an indexation benefit, 7% minus 5% inflation, only 2% component will be taxed. Now, it's a common sense and it's very easy to understand that a tax on full 7 rupees will be several times higher than tax on 2 rupee component. And that is the substantial gain that I was talking about. Especially if you are in the higher tax bracket, which is the 30%. Of course, uh, higher the tax bracket, more is the in-hand return that you take home in mutual funds. Of course, if you stay for longer than three years, that's when the indexation benefit is applicable. Now, the other thing, and and of course, uh, it goes without saying that you must approach credit risk funds, therefore, uh, based on all the credit events that we spoke about with a, a fair deal of caution. Yes. So I mentioned, Alex, there are two learnings. The first learning we spoke about, you better stay in a AAA portfolio or even a liquid portfolio or a banking and PSU debt fund sort of a portfolio. All these are safer. Second learning is 
यू नाउ नो दैट इन क्रेडिट रिस्क द नेम इज नॉट फॉर नथिंग द नेम क्रेडिट रिस्क इट सेल्फ टेल्स यू दैट देर इज सम काइंड ऑफ क्रेडिट रिस्क अगेन एज आई मैंशन इन माई प्रीवियस आंसर विथ रिस्क कम्स सम काइंड ऑफ रिटर्न और रिवॉर्ड दैट रिवॉर्ड इज अ हायर यील्ड if fund manager is able to navigate the credit space nicely mm. now uh, there are 40 mutual funds in india but you saw the credit defaults or credit events as industry calls it in a handful of mutual fund houses let's mm. say four or five mutual fund ho- houses only other remaining mutual funds have been able to navigate that credit space nicely mm. if you stay for 3 years so let me take uh, take the same old example in a triple a portfolio if you make 7% today in a credit fund if credit fund is able to navigate credit space safely you are likely to make something over and above simply Seven. because you are buying yeah. a lower rated credit yes. so instead of a 7 theoretically you are likely to make let's say 8 8.5% sure. now that's the additional gain but mind you you should know and that's the second learning you should know that credit funds mean the lower rated credit exposure is there in your portfolio in an event that the company doesn't do well that portfolio will take a hit to the extent of the credit default mm. having said that if you trust your fund manager and if you are willing to stay put for 3 years the impact impact would be minimal fair enough all right now i do want to speak about the impact of these credit events yes. on the yields that have been uh, experienced over the last year in these corporate bond funds sure uh, they've gone up Yes. um and and this is despite the fact that you've seen a 135 basis point cut in the uh, in the repo rates by the by the RBI yes alex um having said that when you're positioning yourself in the debt mutual fund space in 2020 what do you bear in mind do you stick with what you've said in terms of the you know psu bank funds your your government bond funds or do you diversify a little bit so i want to answer this in two parts number one is credit spreads have gone up so it's a simple function of risk and return when yes. you see a lot of credit events taking place and by you i mean market participants when market participants see that uh, you know uh, the economic scenario or debt repayment scenario is not very good market doesn't want to lend at the same rate one one and a half years sure. back Yeah. the rate that was prevailing yeah. let's say 2 years back because the market would want to compensate to get compensated for the higher risk environment that market is seeing that's why the rates have gone up yeah that rates having gone up is probably a bad news for existing portfolio because existing portfolio will get some hit on their valuations yeah. but it's a good news for somebody who wants to enter afresh now, because yeah. for taking now i wouldn't say that for many good companies anything has changed over last one and one and a half years neither the business model not the way they conduct or operate themselves but what has changed is this perception so you are probably getting same bond of the same company yeah. at a higher rate so as a new investor again if you understand what credit risk is all about probably this is a good time to invest so that's the first part and second part you mentioned whether you should stick in 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 view of uh, higher uh, um, spreads should you go to credit risk or should you stick to psu bonds and triple yeah. a funds yeah. now let me again um, borrow from my previous answer where i said that in equity also you do asset allocation between large mid and small ah. so what stops you from doing the same asset allocation in debt as well Understood. so again go with your risk portfolio if you are a risk averse investor 
I would say seventy percent or upwards of your portfolio should be in pure AAA, sure. and only a marginal portfolio of twenty thirty percent could be in a credit risk sort of a portfolio. If you are a risk taker within three uh, within within the debt component, and if you have a three year five year horizon of uh, investment in that debt component, I wouldn't say. And again, I repeat that if you understand what credit is all about, and if you are confident about your fund manager. uh and and a fund manager's uh, skills of navigating the credit space i would say that you can go probably as high as 50 to 60% 50 to 70% in credit and remaining uh, 30 to 40% in a stable triple a portfolio that will come handy for you if you need any liquidity in between now amul one of the main principles and uh, objectives of this uh, bq big decisions podcast yes. has been to ensure that my listeners know which questions to ask so i think this goes without saying but i'm still going to mention it here and perhaps you can uh, add your view uh, on this as well sure if an advisor is saying that they can get you a debt instrument with 10 plus percent returns that should be an immediate red flag alex it goes without saying uh, when your fixed deposits from a from a psu lender psu bank is fetching you about 6% today please understand 10% actually means 66% more return than a psu fixed deposit yeah. that's an extremely high level of spread which you're not going to make this is equivalent of saying Uh, at the fag end of 2017 that small caps will fetch you 80% or a 60% return it does happen but it doesn't happen every day every month every year small caps fetched that sort of a return in that one calendar and then we know what happened over yeah. last two years currently the 10% returns or 9% plus returns what you see in a longer dated portfolios of mutual funds is purely a function of rates coming down mm. this is not going so from current level I don't think many market participants are expecting a hundred or two hundred basis points of rate cut. Long story short, yes, ten percent is not a debt return that you should target. I typically like to say, and again, there are uh, uh, the scope of this talk probably will not. I will not be able to cover all the aspects, mm. but typically, please understand that you are likely to generate FD plus one, FD plus two sort of returns mm. in a well managed, diversified portfolio of mutual funds, not beyond that. Fair enough. The other major change in the debt scenario or the debt uh, landscape uh, so to speak has been the introduction of the bharat bond etf sure. which took place not too long back amol and we've had a comprehensive conversation on this very podcast but i'd like your view on this as well experts have said that it's a good idea to subscribe to this bharat bond etf and hold to maturity do you ascribe to that as well correct so bharat bond etf that was recently launched has a 3 year plus and a 10 year plus sort of a maturity why i am saying plus is because although it was launched in december the maturity is in the month of april 2023 and april 2030 the reason is by doing this in a 3 year mutual fund 3 year 3 month 3 year 4 month mutual fund you will be able to get four indexations mm-hmm. and in a 10 year mutual fund you will get a 11 year indexation so that's one of the huge benefits that you can take from being an investor over there number mm-hmm. one number 2 we all know that bharat bond as the name suggests is an uh, is a mutual fund that invests only in psu or government owned companies bonds that too in a triple a rated space last but not the least this mutual fund has next to nothing 0.0005 is the expense ratio in my books it is a 0% expense ratio fund so what company pays as an interest for their borrowings the entire interest comes to you mm. in a mutual fund capital gain format so i would say that these are very decent instruments a 3 year plan as well as a 10 year plan 
Mm-hmm. You could look at it. Uh, I would like to add one thing though over here. Uh, since these are mutual funds, you should you would do a lot better if you actually have a three year plus or a ten year plus instrument, mm-hmm. and you don't want to buy or sell. Uh, you don't want to especially sell in between. Uh, although the fund house had said that they uh, there are they have engaged market makers to provide a lot of liquidity. Yeah. It remains to be seen. Existing ETFs on equity side, even larger ETFs, do not have a lot of liquidity. Sure. Again. Uh, in one line bharat bond is a good debt offering mm. if you stay for 3 years or 10 years with indexation you will make very decent gains and it is a good addition to your debt portfolio all right now to just round off the conversation i'm all on asset classes we have to talk about gold because it's been and you mentioned this uh, a little while back when you spoke about the stellar returns that gold has had over the last year yes 18% or thereabouts Correct. has been the global increase in gold prices and and that's a significant risk i i think what is more significant is the fact that this has happened despite uh, a run up in equities globally uh, normally you see a risk off tone that leads to a rise in gold prices Correct. but there have been various reasons that have been given as to why gold has risen there is uncertainty globally with regard to the trade war and there is uh, central bank buying and all of that but having said that even on this podcast there have been experts that come and say 10% is what you should have in terms of exposure out of your entire portfolio to gold irrespective of where the gold prices are do you hold true with that Correct, Alex. So five to ten percent should be your exposure in your entire financial portfolio towards mm-hmm. precious metals. I do agree with this view. Uh, I would like to add over here um, that uh, we get a lot of questions from investors about whether sectoral funds are a good idea at so and so point in time. Is a pharma fund good? Is IT fund good? Mm-hmm. Is infrastructure fund good? I would say that gold and sectoral funds. about 5 to 10% each both of them probably not exceeding a 15% it's sort of allocation that you have mm. remaining 85 rupees of your portfolio should be allocated between debt and equity again go back to basics it should be allocated to debt and equity in line with your risk appetite fair enough now i do want to ask you because there is this confusion that a lot of people have amol is that if you have jewelry say it's jewelry that your mum has passed down yes, to yes, or your yes. grandmother has passed mm-hmm. on to you do you ascribe a value to that also and and add it to your portfolio or do you just keep it as something that you will never ever sell in short you do not count that into the valuation that you are currently uh, looking at and i also mentioned in my answer you will remember alex one minute back that gold should be 5 to 10% of your financial portfolio ah. so anything that is in a jewelry format we are not even talking about coins or biscuits because coins and biscuits um, uh, uh, you cannot actually wear them as as a gold article mm. but anything that is jewelry is actually a consumption item mm. you should not count that in your gold gold holding it is purely a consumption item all right well that clears up the air <laughs> at least for me um i don't want to talk about one last topic uh, or or maybe there are a couple but this is something that caused a lot of panic i think it continues to do so the issue with dematerialized shares and that was the carvi yes. incident that yes. uh, you know raised a lot of eyebrows for the listeners who are unaware of what exactly happened can you very quickly take us through what happened and why there was so much concern and 
how can an investor or somebody who's having dematerialized shares safeguard themselves against this in simple terms and the way some of the sebi's rulings or press releases or sebi's action that we have seen in the market in simple terms lot of investors who had their shares in a demat account held with carvi their shares were pledged by carvi to out to nbfcs or banks and a loan was raised against those shares and the amount obviously the investors never wanted that loan the amount that was raised went to carvi and carvi used it for other purposes of their other business mm. now this is completely out of line and you don't expect this at all from any of the service provider that your assets will be used for something that you are not signed up for sure so that's what you 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 mentioned what happened briefly so this is what has happened uh, now i'm sure investors would want to know how to safeguard from that yeah. how to safeguard from that how it happened actually is those shares were transferred from their demat to a pooled account mm. this can have again this cannot happen unless investor gives explicit instruction now that in, uh, investors say that we never give such and such instruction but investors are probably forgetting that when you open a, a demat and trading account with a, a provider service provider mm. you are signing a power of attorney correct and that power of attorney plays a part into this that power of attorney via that poa you have given lots of rights to your service provider via which those accounts were uh, those demat uh, shares were, were transferred, transferred to a pool yeah. account or to different account how to safeguard first and foremost revisit the power of attorney that you have signed if it gives blanket all the rights if you have signed off then probably you can do away from that power of attorney you can revoke that power of attorney you mm. can enter into a power of attorney that doesn't give all the rights sure. and only upon your explicit instructions should any transaction take place that's one way to safeguard yourself second way to safeguard is um usually you get a statement from nsdl or cdsl as well as i'm sure most of people today would have online access to demat account where your demat holding statement is there periodically please check your demat holding statement mm. or the nsdl cdsl statement that reaches your mailbox please ensure that all the shares that as per your record should be in your possession are reflecting in those any discrepancy please highlight it to the uh, please highlight to your demat and trading uh, partner or a service provider mm. if you do not get a satisfactory uh, response, reply yeah. a response from their side please take it to the next level in terms of complaining to the market regulator these are some of the ways which you essentially should put into practice because this is something that probably has never happened at least yeah. in my memory yeah. uh, but that has now happened and this is the way to safeguard yourself from uh this happening to you so be vigilant um sure, in, yes. in the new year i want to take one last topic and i know amol that this is something that you can spend a lot of time speaking about it's the whole concept of uh, buying a house on uh on on a loan right. and and i ask this because the state bank of india just recently announced that it was cutting its home loan rates by 25 basis points sure. it's come to 7.9% so it starts at 7.9% now um what i want to ask you and we've had this conversation of should you buy or should you rent i would think that just because the rates are now well relatively more affordable mm-hmm. it shouldn't mean that you should go out and buy a house that's correct alex you will buy a house only if it is one of your needs and requirements 
uh, what we spoke about gold is also true over here anything that you wear in a format of gold jewelry is not your financial asset so anything any house property or a flat that you stay into is not your financial property it is one of probably your needs and requirements uh, again uh, this probably is out of scope of this discussion whether buy versus rent but if you have made a decision to buy this is a good time because emis have come down hmm. but if you are not looking to buy a home Yeah. and because the emi has come down because rates have come down because rates might go up tomorrow in yeah. a, in a theoretical discussion so obviously you will all your buy and sell decisions in any financial investment including the uh, real estate investment should be based on your actual need and it should not be motivated by uh, uh, it should not be motivated by it only the emi has become cheaper yeah because emi can uh, increase or decrease because depending on market rates yeah 15 and 20 years of paying sure. back a loan sure. right sure that's correct It's been an absolute pleasure, Amol, uh, speaking to you. A lot of these topics, I must say, that we've spoken about over the course yes. of the year, but it helps to really put sure. them under the microscope again at the end Once of the year and yes. at the start of the new year. It, thank you so much, and pleasure again, to be here, Alex. Wish you a happy new year. Thank you. Wish you the same, and to all the listeners. To you, dear listener, thank you so much for tuning into this conversation. I hope that it helped you out, and I hope that this provides you with a great opportunity. to start afresh in 2020 and perhaps to get that vision 2020 when it comes to your finances as well if you'd like to listen to any of the other podcasts on bq big decisions you'll find them on the website and on our various podcast applications thanks so much for listening this is alex matthew signing off have a great day and a great year ahead if you enjoyed big decisions check out some other podcasts on the ivm podcast network You can check out Pesa Vesa hosted by Anupam Gupta. Advertising is Dead hosted by Varun Dugirala. The Ronnie Screwwala podcast hosted by Ronnie Screwwala or Cyrus says hosted by Cyrus Procha. These shows are available on the IBM podcast website, app or wherever you get your podcasts from. Look, up in the internet. It's a meme. No, it's a cat video. No, it's the Geek Fruit podcast. That's right. We interrupt this riveting broadcast to tell you about our show, The Geek Fruit Podcast, where Tejas Dinkar and I, Jishnu, talk about everything in pop culture, including DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Netflix, and everything in between. You know how your friends hate it when you ramble about some nerdy crap, and you just want somebody to listen to you. Well, sorry, there's nothing we can do about that. But come listen to us ramble, and it'll almost be like the real thing, kind of. Listen to new episodes of the Geek Fruit podcast every Monday and the Geek Fruit Bulletin every Thursday on iTunes, Google Podcasts, the IVM app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy listening, you nerds! Hi, my name is Anupam Gupta. I'm B50 on Twitter. I am the host of Pesa Pesa, a show that talks money. On my show, I speak to experts from every field of money and finance, from stock markets, equities, debt funds, credit cards, life insurance, every possible area of money and finance that you can think of. We even did an episode on cryptocurrency. I've got fantastic guests from mutual funds to personal finance experts everywhere. Robo advisory, startups, just name it, we've got it. At Pesa Pesa, we help you make smart decisions about money. You work hard for money. Now make your money work hard for you. New episodes out every Monday and you can listen to my show on the IVM podcast app or any other podcasting app that you have.